Hi there, you're listening to Cinema 5000. I'm Mallory, your host. Where are we at for numbers? On the quest to 5000, let me tell you, we're at 4,838. So that just means 162 movies to go. Do you think we can do it in 2022? Well, we'll see. First of all, I want to tell you about what things I've seen recently, and that does include my trip to the Independent Film Festival of Boston. I've actually been going to the film festival since it first started in 2003, and let me tell you the story about how I found out about the festival. I used to be a subscriber to Entertainment Entertainment Weekly, um, which as you may now know is unfortunately, I believe, not being published anymore in a physical form, which is sad, but back in the day... When I was 18 years old in 2003, I saw an advertisement in the back of the magazine for the Independent Film Festival of Boston, and I went ahead and checked it out and came to the conclusion that, yeah, this was something I could go to and maybe go with my sister and it'd be affordable. Um, So yeah, I've been going, not every year, but most years since it started way back then. So next year would be the 20th anniversary 20th anniversary of the Independent Film Festival of Boston since 2003 was 19 years ago. But yeah, the first year I went, I got a pass for the whole entire festival for $25. And now I believe a film, film festival, Alex's pass is $350 for a year membership, which does have great benefits, but that's attributed to the fact that the festival has gotten really big. They show a lot of different movies from, you know, around the country, even some international films. And all in all, I couldn't recommend it any more than that. It is such a great, fun experience. You get to see people from all over New England who come to the festival, and maybe even different places of the world, um, especially filmmakers who come to the festival and, you know, do talks about their films through Q&As or panels. It's a great experience, and I definitely recommend it. They even have a fall focus in November, usually, late October, early November, that they have at the Brattle Theatre in Cambridge, which is a great theatre to go to. So you can take the whole experience of going to the Independent Film Festival of Boston and make it a little more tighter as the Brattle plays movies back to back to back over one weekend. It's a lot of fun. But before we get into the films I saw at the Independent Film Festival of Boston, I need to tell you what movie I watched on April 29th. That is the movie X, the new film directed by Ty West, which stars Mia Goth, Brittany Snow, and Kid Cudi. I unfortunately didn't care for this film. I thought it had kind of a mixed, muddled message when it was trying to say things about youth and attractiveness and sexuality and desire and porn, and uh, I was not very satisfied by the film. It tried to say that these older folks had the justification of attacking these younger people to some degree because the younger people were attractive, and I thought that motivation was really not that great, unfortunately. I know some of my friends like this movie which is good for them, but for me this just didn't really work, though I will give it some credit. It did take its time to get to the actual horror part of it with the killings and gore. It didn't just do that off the bat. It like took its time, but uh, I just, I don't think the movie that went to the screen was a good version of this kind of story. So that was on the 29th, and then on the 30th, which was Saturday, uh, April 30th, I did go to the film festival. The first thing I did for a screenings, I only did three screen, three, well, technically I did two screenings at the film festival and then saw another movie. But the first screening I went to was actually a collection of short films that were all comedic in some ways. Um, one of them was called Vacuum, which included um, an individual in taking a lot of 
drugs, thus a vacuum. <laughs> then there was the uh, story, Tell Me Something I Don't Know, which I thought was pretty funny. A story of a bunch of friends together for a birthday party at a uh, Airbnb, I guess you could say. And then, well, things get a little nasty and a little bit confrontational. So if Tell Me Something I Don't Know sounds like something you'd want to experience. It's kind of a dark comedy, a little bit crude. But uh, for something that was like, I want to say it was just under 20 minutes. It was very entertaining. Then there was the story Pressed, which is about a young woman trying to come to terms of whether or not she wants to attract men for what she looks like or just who she is. And it was a cute little short. Then there was Candlepin, the story of a uh, teacher who is on a date and unfortunately runs into some of his students at a bowling alley. This one had its ups and downs as far as its tone with both comedic elements and then, oh my goodness, the sorrow of what your life is and experiences. And I thought it was a good balance of those elements. I do recommend Candlepin if you want to look that one up. And then there was Plumtown, the story of a uh, son and his father and the generational gap between them. This one was international. I believe this one is from China. I'm going to quickly look and tell you. Yes, it does take place in China and it's directed by Kelly Yu. Plumtown was a good one. I did enjoy that. That's about 15 minutes. And then the last one was The F Word. Now, this one got the most laughs in the room, but this was not my favorite. This is a story of a father telling his daughter what the F word means when she says, Daddy, what does fuck mean? <laughs> and he gives her lots of different definitions. So, of the batch that I saw, I think I would recommend Tell Me Something I Don't Know and Candlepin, because those are my favorites. So, after seeing those shorts, I went ahead and went to the other side of town, so to speak. I went to uh, Boston. Near Chinatown, went to a theater, and I saw the new film from Celine Skiama, which is Petite Maman, and this is the story of a young girl who is learning to deal in certain ways with the loss of her grandmother, and in that journey, she ends up encountering a young girl that she befriends. This movie is really short. It's only 72 minutes, and it's pretty, pretty, uh, tight, I guess you could say, as far as story and what it's trying to tell. Um, it's a PG-rated film, so there's nothing, you know, dramatic in heavy ways, though it does have some emotional things going on. I liked the film. I didn't love it. Um, I think for me, the elements of trying to connect a mourning with a child was interesting, but I felt like maybe there could have been other things added to it. Maybe to make it a little deeper, though that make it make might make it even more dramatic and heavy. So as it is, um, yeah, I think it's a fine film. You know, it's nothing nothing egregiously bad or anything like that. It's just a cute little film. Um, so then I went back to the film festival, which I should mention in Somerville and Davis Square. And usually what I do for the film festival is I see as many films as I can at the Somerville Theater because it's super convenient. They have three screens. You can jump from screen to screen for different screenings. And luckily um, this year at the film festival, I barely stood in line for anything. I would get in line and then they'd immediately call me for the film and usually when I got in line I was like maybe one of the first 10 people so it was like boom you're just going to the theater and it's all good. Uh, the movie I then saw the last one on that night the April 30th was the movie I Love My Dad which is uh, starring and directed by James Morosini and it's about this young man who has been going through through some tough times and he's estranged from his father so he has said in the beginning of the film, I've come to terms with the fact that I need to, like, you know, 
keep my father out of my life for my well-being to that's paraphrasing but his father is desperate to try to reconnect with him and it's just not a good relationship and they should probably not be friends or anything like that so what the father ends up doing in an act of desperation is basically communicating with his son through Facebook though under the guise of being an attractive young woman Unfortunately, um, yes, this is catfishing, and the movie does go to some crude and very bizarro places. I did find it funny. I know some people will probably really not like this movie and just think it was gross or just not funny at all. Uh, the director, James Morosini, did go up on stage and tell us all that this indeed did happen to him, which is quite alarming. <laughs> um, and yes, his father has seen the movie. That was the first thing I was going to ask him. Luckily, he explained that his father went to the uh, premiere of the film at the Sunday, the South by Southwest Festival, not Sundance. But um, yeah, it starts Patton Oswalt as the father as well. And I did laugh. It's very much, I mean, this is the kind of, let's put it this way. This is the kind of movie that if this individual, James Morsini, did not make this movie, Somebody like the Farrelly brothers would probably make this movie because it is so ridiculous and catfishing is a current conversation thing because everybody knows that you might be talking to someone you think is online, that person, but they're not. Um, so I do recommend it. I do believe that it's going to be coming out uh, online and in theaters in August, uh, released by Magnolia Pictures. So the following day on May 1st, I did see two films at the film festival. The first was The Territory, which is about deforestation and how it impacts indigenous people who live in Brazil. And this is a very harrowing story. Um, a lot of conflict between the people who are activists and trying to secure the land and keep hunters and killers off of it so that, you know, these people in this tribe can survive. Um, they're, they're year wow wow people. I know I'm saying that right, wrong. I should have probably recorded this right after seeing the film. I don't remember exactly how it said, but this is a good film. I do recommend it. I think this is a CNN films release. I could be wrong about that. So it'll be on TV later this year, but then probably get a theatrical run to qualify for best documentary and the awards shows and such. But, um, you really like get a sense of how dire it is for these people to try to secure their land and make sure that they as a tribe survive because there's only so many of them left. And when it comes to indigenous people, it's like their rights as humans and their rights to land are being violated left and right. And it's really tragic and sad, but um, yeah, it's a good film. It's a good documentary. Then later that day, I went to the brattle that I mentioned previously because I saw the territory at the Somerville. I went to the brattle in Cambridge and I saw the new film by Zhang Yimou, which is One Second. Now, this film is the story of a man who is trying to shore up this reel of film so that he can watch it for just one second of film so he can get a glimpse of his daughter. And you may be wondering, why does he want to see his daughter on film? Well, you'll find out. But in the attempt to secure this film and make sure he gets that chance, um, he encounters a young woman who is very much a troublemaker. And... Um, we're talking about China, and I believe the 1960s, I could be wrong about that, but I think it was the 1960s. So there's um, conflict in the fact that these people are very poor. They're out in the farmland of China, and they're only touch with maybe people that they know who are on film, in this man's case, are just through that reel of cinema in this news reel that plays with 
a Chinese, you know, military film. I I really love this film. It's hard to explain exactly what's going on here and I don't really want to spoil it. But it's a it's a really heart-wrenching story of just one man's goal to just see this part of film and how connected he is to cinema in certain ways and how other people are affected by different conflicts in their lives and um yeah, I I think this is going to be released later this year by Neon Films. Um, it's beautiful. I, I really loved it. And I know so many people like talk about cinema parody. So as like this wonderful thing about like what you people love film and stuff. And for me, that's kind of this film. One second directed by Zhang Yimou. All right. So (laughs) after the film festival, I, uh, I unfortunately within like the last, I don't know, two weeks or so, um, I've only seen two new films to me. <laughs> um, the first one is the film Deep Cover, directed by Bill Duke. If you're familiar with the Criterion Collection, they just added this one to the collection, I believe, earlier this year. Deep Cover stars Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum, and Lawrence Fishburne, it's, Lawrence Fishburne is an undercover cop who gets into, um, basically the underbelly of the drug world in Los Angeles. He's originally from the Midwest, and he goes deep cover and whoa this movie is really dark really scary um Lawrence Fishburne's performance is really incredible as he is a man who starts out pretty level-headed but eventually just goes far too deep into this world of drugs and um money and crimes Jeff Goldblum is like a seemingly straight-laced guy, but he is all in on the business. And, um, yeah, he was, Lawrence Fishburne's character was supposed to infiltrate this crime family connected with cartels and such. And it just, uh, man, it, it gets, it gets really dark. I do think it's a great film though. Like I, I have not seen a movie that is so tonally dark in a way that made me want even more out of it. Like it could have been like two and a half hours and I would have enjoyed it. But, uh, it is a film from 1992. So early nineties, kind of LA darkness. And yeah, it's a really great film. I definitely recommend seeing deep cover if you get a chance. And being that it is in the criterion collection, you have the ability to see a Blu-ray version of it and a new rest, I believe a new restoration of it. Okay. So, like I said, I haven't seen that many films since the film festival, so sadly this isn't going to be the longest episode. But the last film I saw just a couple nights ago was the new film by Robert Eggers called The Northman. So, as you may or may not know, Robert Eggers is from my area. He grew up in Lee, New Hampshire, so I'm very much like, okay, Robert Eggers is our guy. He's doing that weird shit, and everybody likes it when he does that weird shit because he's really pushing the envelope as far as like what a movie that gets a semi-wide release can be. Uh, but The Northman is a kind of a familiar tale. Like if you're familiar with Hamlet or Conan the Barbarian, uh, the story of a man trying to avenge the death of his family, well, specifically his father, um, and how he matures and learns the ways of the world he's in. And so Alexander Skarsgård's character, Prince Amleth, um, basically becomes like the, the mo- one of the most brutal kind of people where he is just fighting for his life in this world 
it's really dark and kind of bizarro and witchy and totally immersive. Um, wow. As far as Viking stuff, like, I've never really been interested in it. I know there was a movie years ago with Carl Urban called Pathfinder, and I know it's probably shit. <laughs> um, but I remember seeing the trailer for that and being like, wow, I wish that whole movie was just the trailer because there's no way it's good. But the Northman, like, really goes there when it comes to brutality and visuals and bizarroness. And this is a movie that does not hold back. Um, apparently the only thing Robert Eggers didn't get for this movie that he wanted was he wanted some male nudity. Didn't get it. If he had got it, I think that would have added a bit more. It's so weird to say that, but you know when it comes to this brutality and the way that men held themselves in this world, like some of the guys, the way they walk, specifically um, Alexander Skarsgård's character, they just like lurch and hunch over. Like these are not really men. These are beasts. And it's so interesting. I'm actually thinking I'm going to see the Northmen again um, because it just had a lot to offer as far as the story and the visual world, it's, it's a, it's a, it's okay. It's weird. It's a bit gray and dark, but I think sitting in the theater, I think I got a lot out of it visually. There's, you know, side characters here and there, like Willem Dafoe shows up, of course. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy is in the film and I thought she was really good. Like she, she really gave herself to her part, um, as I believe her name was Olga. Yeah. Olga. Her name, full name is Olga of the Birch Forest. I mean, if you, okay. That tells you all you need to know about this kind of movie. People have nose names like that, like Finner the Nose Stub, and he does have a stub nose. And Willem Dafoe's character is Heimer the Fool. The fool. Um, yeah, I liked The Northman a lot. I, uh, I still am kind of grappling with like how exactly this movie got made to the degree that it is because... Yo, it's it's not like the average everyday epic action movie that you see because oh no, this world is like it's uh it's it's a lot to take in. There are a number of like killings and murders and oh everything. It's just it's nastiness. But it's kind of fun nastiness. Yeah. Ooh. Uh. <laughs> um so yeah, I I guess that's all I've got to say right now about movies that I've seen recently. Uh, we'll probably get to another episode that's like a recap episode in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure because I've kind of been out of the loop for the last, you know, almost two weeks of seeing like a movie every day because I tend to do that. So I'll catch up on some films and I'll get back to you soon. So that's so corny, but that's the truth. That's what this, this podcast is. Uh, again, I'm Mallory. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we're at 4,838 films, so 162 to go. We'll see if I can get through that number this year. Should be a good time. Again, thank you so much for listening. This is Cinema5K on Twitter. Cinema5000 is the name of the pod, of course. All right, have a good one.